This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jacobs. And this is the Negro League Podcast, sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to mobettersoul.bigcartel.com, enter code NEGRO to save 10% on your next order, motherfucker. It's been a while since we've had you guys listening to this podcast. I've been busy as a motherfucker. And also, on top of being busy, I just didn't want to do this motherfucker. But I got somebody here um, to help carry the load. I know it's really, really great to have people in the podcast. And... um, if you guys saw uh, uh, the music video for Gifted People, the song produced by Tall Black Guy, what's going on, nigger? Um, a homie, my brother, Chris Charles, was the guy that did the visuals for that, and he's in the building because we got some shit that we're going to be cooking later today. So we've been drinking gin, so if my, vo- my vocals start slurring, just blame it on the gin, and if it don't sound good, I just won't put this shit out. But um, yeah, you here? Where you at? What up, what up? What's going on, man? Ah! Good to have you here, man. Hey, man, good to be here, man. Good to be here. Good vibes, good energy. Let's yeah, make, let's make something. So, um, you drove here today to Columbia, South Carolina, so we can do some work. Yes, sir. Um, where you from? Tell the people where you from. Originally from uh, Brooklyn, New York, but currently residing in North Carolina, the Triangle area. Word. Okay. Yep. Okay. You know what's cool about you being from Brooklyn? What up? Is that you're not overwhelmingly Brooklyn. <sighs> yeah. It's like I live in I live in South Carolina. It's like it's like the funny shit about like like New York niggas in the South is that they'll tell you they're from New York even when the conversation doesn't require. It. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll be like, "Yo, what time is it? Yo, three fifteen. Yo, I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah, you know? with the New York fitted on and yeah, yeah Tim's yeah. year round. Yeah, nah, nah. You know, it's funny because growing up around like living around the country uh, as I traveled, I'd always always encounter cats like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and cats who they wore Brooklyn and New York on their sleeve everywhere <laughs> exactly. they fucking went. And I'd be like, damn, nigga, you making it bad for everybody else who's from we just cool. Just be cool. So what do you do when um when the Knicks suck, but the Brooklyn Nets have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? <sighs> um drink gin. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> like, real talk. Which is what we're doing right now, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, <laughs> man. Yeah, I, I just I, I just get so frustrated sometimes, man. But I'm a fan and and I'm I'm loyal. You know what I mean? So, so you as you so you're a Knicks fan? I, I grew up a Knicks fan. Yeah. Okay, I, I okay. kind of have no choice. My dad was a Knicks fan. You know what I'm saying? I didn't need that conflict in my house. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a Knicks fan. But I'm also a Nets fan. Surprise. I was, yeah, that's yeah, what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. Is that what, what happens when, like, I know Brooklyn folks were probably Knicks fans, but it was the Jersey Nets, and now it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, it's the Brooklyn Nets now. Like, is there, like, what do you do with that shit? You know what I mean? We could do both. You know what I mean? And, and okay. that, that, that's the beauty of, of, of free will. You know what I'm okay. saying, and then and and not paying attention to uh, groupthink, man. I could do both. All right, so like the hierarchy, though, everybody wants to f- like like. All right, anybody that says they're they're Nets fans, it's like Nets fans is kind of a secondary thing. Like Knicks would be the number one thing. Yeah. So how do you feel when somebody like Kevin Durant would say like, "Yo, he was thinking about coming to the Knicks, but." You know, James Dolan fucked it all up. You know what I mean? Like, how yeah, do you yeah. feel about that? Like, 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 when's the last time y'all had? Was it Mellow, the last guy that y'all had that you felt like you knew? Yeah, I think it was Mellow, man. You know what I mean? I think it was Mellow, but honestly, I think at the end of the day, Durant is a businessman. 
And I have to look at it like that from an objective standpoint and not really wear that on my shoulders as far as getting mad about it. He mm-hmm. made a decision he had to make, and as fans, we deal with it, but we still going we, we smash. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. I guess. I mean, I know the Brooklyn Nets they can't do shit until uh, I guess another season because the rant's gonna be out of it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. You've been injured. You ever like hurt something and had to be like in a wheelchair? You've broken broken the bone or something? Yeah, I've broken mad bones over the years. Man. Mad bones. Okay. Mad bones. Mad What's bones. the worst injury you ever had? Worst injury I ever had actually I had a and it's kind of funny because it wasn't a major major injury but mm-hmm. it was a stress fracture. Okay. A stress fracture is something that. Like, you're not going to have a compound fracture with the bone coming out, but it actually kind of, <laughs> the compounding effect of not taking care of it. So it's like walking on a broken bone for like a month without actually getting it checked out. And then you're told, hey, you know, your foot's broken, right? That's probably more dangerous. Yeah. So that actually had me knocked down for a lot longer than it should have because I didn't take care of it when I should have. Okay. Because like. My dumb ass. I'm about to say, because, you know, <laughs> black folks, though, it's like, we start feeling pain for something. It's like the Chris Rock joke. He's talking about when you're a kid, if you're hurt, Robotussin. If a Robotussin can't fix it, we're not taking you to the hospital. Yeah, or, yeah. or Vicks. Vicks. You know what I'm oh, my dad God. used to make me like take a tablespoon of Vicks. He make he used to make me like swallow. Like eat the Vicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that what? old Negro old Negro shit, bro. All right, I got. I, all right, I can't laugh at you because I got yeah. one for you. My mom told me when she was growing up, you know, uh, rural South Carolina in the '60s, they used to do this thing when you were sick. I swear to God, it's so bad. They used to call it PT. What? Listen, physical therapy. No, 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 no. (laughs) My mama said that you would have to pee in a pot and drink a tea with your urine. Nah, bro. And it's a full. Look, the idea is it will be so disgusting and to make you throw up whatever cold you got. And my mom talking about, and if you act it up, you're going to have to drink somebody else's pee. What kind of R. Kelly ass shit is nah, this? Nah, bro. Nah, nah. You know what? Yeah, that that sounds like some like, like DSS, like Child Protective Services. That sounds like some shit that like some some slave owner said, "Hey, I, this is gonna help dog, you." I swear to God, and somebody believed it, and, it, and we just ran with the shit. That's, that's how, what that shit sound like to me. This that's my Chitlin theory. Is that yeah, yeah. when I was a kid, I used to feel like you know I, I'm impressionable and I want to be you know black as fuck and I'm light skinned. I'm like really really trying to be extra black. And I felt like, damn, I really hate chitlins. They smell. They're terrible. But there's a romanticism that my black uncles got about chitlins. And I'm like, man, maybe I should love it. And maybe the fact that I don't like it, something's wrong with me. But when I think about something like chitlins, we're not supposed to like chitlins. It's like... You're not supposed to like half the shit we... Exactly. We're taught we're supposed to eat. Exactly. It's like on some slave shit. When there's no food around, you, you get creative. You're like, all right... What what else can we cook? Exactly, <laughs> you know exactly. But you can't help but think about maybe that might have been part of population control. Ooh, 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 after it ooh. stopped became becoming profitable for us to breed, you, you know, know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like after uh, you know, well, you know, slavery's done. So how can we get kind of get keep these Negroes in check? Exactly. Like, it's so, a Bible. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know I had the biggest biggest beef with soul food because and it's and it's such like. It's a romanticism of eating unhealthy. It's like, you know, yeah. I, I had a I had a friend of mine literally a month and a half ago that died and, and mm-hmm. is, is a guy in my band and he basically died on stage playing at a show that I was supposed to be at. It's crazy, man. It's and crazy. I and I think about it and my health and I treated my health totally differently. I'm on that keto shit, trying to get a six pack for you hoes. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but I thought about it from the perspective of this. It's like all this harmful shit that we talk about, right? It's like when we say soul food, Chris Rock had this joke where he's basically like, black families are weird. It's that 
will go to a funeral with a guy that died from diabetes and then have the after event with all the food. For all the shit that killed him. Exactly. Yep. yep. And, and, and well, this, I think that, that whole concept is coming back. Especially look at Fonte's record, uh, mm-hmm. oh, Expensive yeah. Jeans. Oh, yeah. Expensive Jeans, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, and that actually kind of brought that, that topic back to light. You know, Absolutely. We'd be, we be eating shit in the wake that, uh, that killed the man who died. Yeah. It's crazy. It's out to take a low. But it's like, you know, all, all that stuff where I think the, the name Soul Food tries to make it sound cute. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's soul food. Like, no, it's not, nigga. It's unhealthy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Soul food for your ass. And, and, I, and not just the black community. Like in the South, there's a place up the street from me called Lizard Thicket. And it's like macaroni, it's a vegetable. You know? What? <laughs> you know what I mean? Fried okra, fried, you know. And it's delicious. Don't get me wrong. But you feel good about you. But, that shit. but yeah. I don't want to be in a situation where we try to. to romanticize things that are unhealthy. Like, for an example, and this might be kind of, this might sound bad, but it's not where I want to go. But it's like, you know, I want to be healthy. I want to lose weight. I want to eat well, whatever. And it's like, that's why somebody like Lizzo is really kind of like fascinating to me. You know what I'm talking about? Mm. Who? Lizzo, the singer chick. No, I'm not familiar with. It's a, it's a plus size singer girl. That, oh, okay. I see a picture. I just, yeah, I, I just, yeah. Okay. And like she be playing the flute and she be killing the shit. Yeah, or whatever, yeah. Doing you know? splits and shit on stage. Yeah, oh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's yeah, dope. Yeah, yeah. And she's beautiful. Super you know? talented. Yeah. And, and but there's like a lot of shit that she be doing where I think she's gonna be in that new video about strippers and she's like working the pole and and doing the whole twerking mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's a plus size chick and it's just like all right. It's like where's the line between, you know. Everybody is beautiful in how they are versus, yo, let's get better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think there's a certain, that, that, like, I think I get it because, mm-hmm. you know, we want to promote self-love and loving oh, your yeah. skin. You're we ain't body shaming. I ain't got no six-pack. Right. We're not shaming yeah. your body. We just want you to live live a little bit longer. And that's how, my, that's how that's I'm approaching it. it. Like, I want to lose I want to lose about 20. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Listen, I, you know, I had a homegirl that invited me out to this thing. She said, yo, come out. It's this pool party, blah, blah, blah. Yo, straight up. Nigga, <laughs> I ain't taking this shirt off. You was a nigga with a tank top on. <laughs> nigga, with, with, like, with nigga. Not even a tank top. I had a button-up with oh, my, my feet in the pool. Like, yeah, yo, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. I'm reading this book. It's fascinating. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't getting this off. No, not absolutely. Like, like, I'm not at the level of my dad. It's something about dads where they get to that certain age where they be cutting the grass, mm-hmm. where they don't give a fuck what their stomachs look like anymore, and they right, just right, take right. that shit off and go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not there. Okay. Well, yeah. you know, but but you love yourself in a way, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know you have some work to do. Absolutely. That's all no we're saying. Yeah, yeah. That's all we're saying. And and you know what somebody else thinks of somebody's body is not our business or my business, but at the end of the day, if you're not healthy. Then we need to fix that. You Absolutely, know what I'm that, you know. that, that, I think that's what's more important than the aesthetics because you can be larger or portly and still be in great shape. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Look at what the uh, Ruiz, yeah, the boxer, yeah. absolutely, yeah, knocked yeah, yeah. his ass out. Yeah. Now, if you yeah. looked at him side by side, you'd be like, "Ain't no way in hell he's gonna yeah. knock that brother out." But yeah, he that, knocked yeah. his ass smooth. That shit was crazy because, crazy. Uh, yeah, because nobody he beat was like. The, the, the British dude, black dude, he was like buff as a Yeah, he's like an Adonis. He's like six foot five, yeah. 260 pounds of nothing but muscle yeah. and a fade. You know what I'm saying? Hey, yo, so, like, I, I've been following him for a couple of years, man. I've seen his progress. I think he fought in the Olympics as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, and it was like, we didn't see that coming. Yeah, and then, then then after that, the DJ Khaled, uh, shout out to Khaled, <laughs> the, the memes was with, with the shirt, you know, just yeah. how the big boys are showing up to the, the, oh, to, to the brunch. You know what I mean? I was happy to see Ruiz knock. Uh, 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 with that victory, because it was it said a lot about. Sometimes it's not about how you look; it's about your heart. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this though: Ruiz, 
he's lost a little bit of weight, mm-hmm. and he did a uh, fact he did a podcast with uh, Joe Rogan talking about how he's going to treat his health a little bit better now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, because because yeah. I think in his mind, he's like, I know I won this fight, but goddamn, maybe got I got lucky. Yeah, you <laughs> got to win the next one too, bro. <laughs> you, you know. know. Like, ugh. what can you do next fight, man? Look, because I think all dude's gonna try. If 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 the money's right, he may try to get a rematch. Listen, I, I would. I just I just want, yeah. I think a rematch is coming, and it's mm-hmm. like, man, I you know I want to look good enough. I just want to look good in the suit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, yeah. You gotta get the cut right. You, gotta, it, you know, you want to wear it with rock that slim cut. Yeah, you know, with the tapered the thing, legs. It, like my thing now is like you know the gut is out a little bit, so like, I gotta wear like either a t-shirt or like a a, a polo mm-hmm. and not tuck mm-hmm. it in because yeah, you suck yeah, your shit in. You know, accentuating. You know, yeah. But you make me sick. I'm gonna tell you the problem with you. Don't hate on me, man. Yeah, I'm hating why, on you. What's the, why I make you sick, bro? Man, because like we did this event where uh, after we did the video for gifted people, we had this uh, this talk back in uh, Charlotte at the Gantt Center, and I'm posting like the promotional shit. So I got like all our pictures or whatever about like, hey, preacher's gonna be speaking with Chris Charles and mad mad skills, blah 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 blah. And there's a chick on my Facebook page. She's like, damn, he fine. And I was like, yeah. Uh, my nigga's yeah, gay. But, but he's preach. gay as a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hating hard. Yo, yeah, yeah, him yeah. and his husband. Let me stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all, I'm straight. Yeah, yeah. Well, ladies, he's not gay. Not that there's anything wrong with being gay. I'm just saying. I mean, you know. You know hey, lady. man, don't hate, brother. Don't hate, man. I mean, you know. I'm, I, I'm, look at my old Negro, too, bro. So I'm thinking I'm, I'm just glad to be doing okay out here uh, in these streets. Man, you know what I'm saying? With your Philadelphia beard all picked out and hey, shit, man. Bro. Fuck you. Took years for it to get to this level. You feel me? Shout out to Durham. Beard Supply Company. Keep Look at that, right. that. You know what I'm saying? That, oh, yeah. They ain't paying us to do the sponsorship. All right. I got. I have <laughs> I have a fake sponsorship on this podcast. My, my, I thought it'd be funny that if, if I really got real sponsors, I wouldn't want to get sponsors that wouldn't be, like, really popular companies. So I would, like, so one of the sponsors I wanted to have is uh, Tussie. <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah, Tussie. Yeah, yeah, Tussie yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. I yeah. had a, and I and I had a jingle. I had a jingle for Tussie, and, oh, and the jingle was like Tussie, Tussie, who? That's the jingle. You I know can hear it, too. <laughs> but, but, but you got to have the five part harmony at the end, so I can yeah, see that. Let's, listen, let's, let's let's lay that track down. I'm gonna tell you the funny shit. So I've been doing this fake like this fake uh, uh, advertisement on multiple po- uh, episodes of the podcast, and I caught up with Wine, and Wine is an adorable, adorable like four year old daughter. And he's like, when I was out there, he's like, yo, preach, I want to want you to hear something. So him and his daughter did the Tussie jingle. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's like, Tussie, Tussie. Yo, that's hilarious. That's, that's, the, that's the next skit for the album. I, I need to do it. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think I filmed them somewhere on my phone. We'll put it on yeah. this bitch somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So you do so many things. We're talking about like uh, Renaissance Men. Before we started doing the podcast, we talked about Gordon Parks, how much we love Gordon. Absolutely. You know, being a photographer, being a musician, being involved in all these things in art. If there was a hierarchy, what would be the the main thing that's your love as an artist? Yeah, it, you know, I kind of want to say it's a toss-up between just photography and music, but I think definitely photography probably mm-hmm. would be the main thing. You know what I'm saying? But then next is music and mm-hmm. then everything else after that. You know, graphic design, branding, whatever. You know. What was your first uh, first camera, first first picture that you realized, huh, maybe I can do this shit? Oh, wow. You know, it was uh, between, I think it was either my dad's Polaroid. He had the old school uh, Polaroid land camera. Mm-hmm. And it was either that or way back in the day, the first DSLR that I commandeered for my parents a long time ago. It was uh, like a Olympus. Okay. Old Olympus uh, SLR with a Minolta lens. 
Wow. And whenever we would do like the, yeah, yeah, those, I'm trying to find that. I'm trying to find a picture of the camera so I know exactly what it is. I know it's floating around. Is is Minolta still out there? I don't know. I've not not seen anything new from Minolta in like 15 years. I think Minolta was my first SLR. I think my dad had a a Canon AE, whatever. AE1. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, I got one of those. Yeah, that was the first camera I remember him having. And then I got a Minolta that I used to shoot with. Okay. Okay. But I haven't heard Minolta in forever. Yeah, I mean, it was a flyer. It had a zoom lens and all of that. And I took it on a vacation, like Mm -hmm. a reunion. I think we went to Niagara Falls or something, man. I just fell in love with it. You know right. I mean? Like I just love the mechanics of the camera being able to zoom in and the old school for y'all who know photography, like old school cameras, they have a it's called a ret- reticular focusing plane where the middle of it lines up mm-hmm. whenever you are perfectly in focus. Mm-hmm. And I was fascinated by that. Word. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yo, it's in focus. Oh shit, son. Yes. Yeah. And then the like the feeling of pressing the shutter and then winding it. You know what I mean? I just loved it. And then when we got the pictures back, because we had to get them developed, they were like, yo, that's actually pretty good. Right. You know? But that, that, yeah, that, that's, I think that's when it hit me, you know? Do, do you miss doing film? Yes and no. I mean, I don't miss the overhead of de- having to get film developed because um, I don't have my own darkroom, so you have to pay to get it processed. Mm-hmm. But I think, I, 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 yes and no, but I, what I think what's interesting about modern photography is that a lot of photographers who shoot digital actually use processing to mimic film anyway. I got you. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of brings... For, for those of us who've shot film back in the day, we know what that feels like and what it looks like to look at and, and develop actual 35 millimeter film or medium format. So, yeah, I do miss working with real film. Yeah. Um, I, I need to do that more. I'm going to tell you the thing about film that used to drive me crazy is that doing photo shoots, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but like doing photo shoots with film... It was cool because it's like, you know, I worked in a photo lab, too. So it's like, you know, if the pictures don't come out great, hey, we can shoot this, you know, shoot again. No problem. Right. What, what freaked me out about film was shooting weddings on film. Oh, my God. Because you don't know if it's fucked up Bruh. until you develop it. The amount of anxiety that I had with that shit, that used to drive me up the wall because you can't yeah. tell these motherfuckers to get married again. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why. And, and but but think about it, like think about it, because I shot weddings for ten years. So mm. think about like the anxiety, like you said, but how spoiled the modern consumer is when it comes to because of our tech, technology we have mm-hmm. available, right? So the average wedding photographer nowadays probably delivers anywhere between. Well, you have some that deliver like a low volume, like 200. Mm-hmm. Those are usually very high-end exclusive photographers. Mm-hmm. But like the average wedding photographer is going to deliver between 800 and 1,000 pictures. Wow. That's unheard of. Wow. 30 yeah. years ago. You feel me? Absolutely. So you're getting paid, say, a G in 1980 <laughs> to <laughs> photograph a wedding, and you deliver 100 photographs of your best work. Mm-hmm. And now imagine that whole, all those rolls of film get ruined. <sighs> Dog. Terrifying. See, we have recovery software. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if I lose, if, if one of my hard, my, my drives fails or whatever, I can probably send it off and probably salvage that joint. You can't salvage ruined film, bro. And, and then so on top right. of that, you know, with the, D, the DSLRs, because I remember like in a photo lab that I worked, I was probably 19 years old, maybe 20, and, I'm, and I'll turn 36 this month to put that into perspective. Oh, nigga. I got one of them. Shut up, nigga. <laughs> but it's like, I got one of those, uh, those this Nikon D70. Which, yeah, yeah which, I remember those. When the Nikon D70 came out, it was three grand. Now, if you go on like eBay, it's like 250 bucks. Yeah, but, that's about right. But the, the idea of being able to take a picture and see what the fucker looks like before you like yeah. save, yo, 
that's that's so much stress is taken off of you. It's kind of like the DJing like like uh, uh, movement where mm-hmm. you have a lot of uh, traditional DJs get frustrated with stuff like Serato or the digital age, yeah. and then you would see DJs eventually embracing. Because I remember Jazzy Jeff used to hate it. Yeah, and I, it's funny because I just watched something with him where he was endorsing Serato. Fade. Oh yeah, Serato. Yeah, you see a, that phase was, shit he did. No, I didn't see that. Are you familiar with Phase? No, 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 no. Oh. Break that down for me. Okay, so Phase is basically this thing where you basically, since my turntable is here, it's basically this little thing you put it right here, and it reads. Oh, yeah. yes, I didn't know. I forgot what it was. I, I did see that. So you it's don't like even a, need a needle. It's a laser needle, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You okay. can literally take the record. Off the turntable, yeah, and there was a video with Jazzy Jeff where he's like moving, moving the record, the record and scratching and, and, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that. I, yeah. I forgot. I didn't realize it's it was fucking incredible. Phase. It's fucking incredible. This is insane. And I think you know, smart old Negroes, we you have to learn to embrace the technology because at the end of the day, it's making your life a lot easier. Absolutely, yeah, but you yeah. still have to be good, and that's why that you know, don't be whack and use technology. That's the th- yeah. I think that's where, <laughs> that's where I think people get mad at. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to like be actually good and skillful at your craft. Mm-hmm. And then take advantage of the technology so that your job is a little easier. But if you take use the technology and you haven't, you're not putting it into work to be good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's the problem. So I see why a lot of people have problems with that. All right, so let's um let's uh let's brag about you right quick. So um, we're, we're talking about <laughs> he blessing, he dark skin and blessing. Yeah. But no, we, all right. So so we talk about like um the photography, and then there's also a transition to doing film work. So outside of, you know, doing uh, uh, our amazing video, tell us some of the highlights, some of the videos that you've done. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, recently I did a shot, the homie Fonte's video, um, uh, at, at, and it was amazing. It, it was a video for one of the lead singles off of his last album. And before that, it was a lot of, actually, I do a lot of client videos. So mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the videos I do are promo pieces for clients, and a lot of that is not necessarily stuff that I would post on Instagram because it's usually based on the client's need mm-hmm. versus promoting my business. But um, a lot of short film work. I'm shooting a film now, which is a uh, just a, pr- a passion project for mm-hmm. um, the stuff in my head that I want to shoot. And, of course, your video, we already mentioned that, uh, shot a creative duo out of Brooklyn a few years ago. And I think that's when it really hit me that I might be able to, uh, I might be okay with shooting film. Right. The, the transition from shooting film or filmmaking versus photography was kind of seamless for me because if you think about it, a lot of our, a lot of the greatest cinematographers and directors had had a foundation in, in photography. Absolutely. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, you know, you look at Stanley Kubrick. I mean, he was the newspaper photographer for years. Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of selfies of him. Um, I want to say Christopher Nolan. I think has a background in photography, yeah. and he's sick. Yeah, he's very epic with his directing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His storytelling and just the way he blocks films. I'm gonna tell you insane. something that I saw recently. Have you seen The Last Black Man in San Francisco? No, I keep seeing that pop up in just various ads. And mm-hmm. there's people posting about it. But I think I've seen... I saw the trailer, of course. Yeah. And it looks amazing. When I, when I saw the movie, I immediately thought about you because it is incredibly shot. And like I wrote a, a, a review for it for a publication here called The Free Times. And, and I was listing all of the Oscars I think it's going to win. The first one I think mm-hmm. it's going to win, I think it's going to absolutely win cinematography. Okay. So it's like aesthetically, it's it's absolutely incredible. Who did the cinematography for that joint? Um... I, it's it's a bunch of people that I don't know. It's a bunch of people that that I've never heard of before. Um, so it's semi autobiographical. Uh, with the the main character is basically the guy that wrote the script, but the director of the film is a guy named Joe Talbot, 
and I think this cinematographer is Adam Newport Berra. Okay. Um, so I don't know much stuff that he's been in. Uh, you know, like he doesn't have necessarily a, a there's a lot of stuff that I see on his on his uh, IMDb page. I think he might have done like cinematography for like Euphoria, the the HBO show that I haven't seen yet, but I heard was really really good. Okay, but okay. but his eye is pretty pretty fucking amazing. Like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's really great. Yeah, you know yeah. who's dope, man? I'm, um, uh, we've all seen his work. If mm-hmm. you if you pay like a uh, Bradford Young. Okay, what has he done? Uh, he does. Uh, he just did a uh, what is it? Uh, damn, I can't think now. It's the one. Uh, he works with Ava DuVernay a lot. Okay, okay, okay. So um, pretty much, if she's if she's producing or directing you something, talking about he's the, the, uh, the 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 Netflix shit. Yeah, yeah. He um, did that. I think he helped lay the foundation. It was him and another white guy that did that. But it was he laid the foundation for like Queen Sugar. And, oh yeah, he uh, did. Um, he did Arrival. Yeah, he did Arrival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, he worked on a lot of stuff when they with. See us, that's Khal- it. Yeah, when they see us, he did stuff with Khalil Joseph, who's also. Someone who people need to listen to or pay attention to, and you've already seen this. If you watched Beyonce's Lemonade, mm-hmm. a lot of the mainstream were introduced to his 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 work as a cinematographer. All right, so here's but, my question. So, so I th- you know it's one of those things where you you know the definition of something, but you don't know how to articulate the definition. Yeah. So, yeah. so from your perspective, what's the difference between a director and a cinematographer? How would you break those things down for somebody that? Yeah, that yeah, no doubt. Well, like a director to me, and I guess per industry standard, is this, the person who helps dictate the the vision and flow of the script. Okay. He's like okay. the head coach. Right. Yeah. He, he's usually the person who is directing the person who is filming to shoot based off of the scene, the way it's supposed to progress. Yeah. All of that, and so people think that the, the person filming it is a director, but like usually the person holding the camera, they're what the AD. Yeah, the, well, yeah, the first uh, assistant director. It's usually the first AC or okay. assistant camera, right? Okay. Um, the cinematographer may not necessarily be holding a camera either, but the cinematographer is the one who dictates how a scene is going to look and feel. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So the cinematographer is usually the person who is what makes our films that we enjoy look the way they look. Right. They shoot it a certain way. They probably have a certain visual language. And the director is doing that. He's making sure the actor is nailing their lines because mm-hmm. he's reading the script as they're going through the scenes, making sure everything is in the proper order, sequence, all of that. Um, but the cinematography or cinematographers traditionally are the ones who actually help us enjoy what we see when we watch a good film. Yeah. Because they help block it. So a lot of directors who, like my favorite directors tend to do it all. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like Christopher Nolan, he's actually working the camera. Mm-hmm. Um James Cameron, same thing. He's kind of a hands-on kind of director. Mm-hmm. He's going to probably have a camera on set yeah. blocking the shots and making sure they look the way they're supposed to look because he's James Cameron. Yeah. Some directors, um, especially in the com- commercial world where like commercials in yeah, general, yeah, yeah. they like the director they ain't behind the camera. Yeah. He's with a clipboard somewhere. You know okay. what I'm saying? So yeah, it's, it, it's interesting how you know filmmaking can be very complex, and it takes sometimes a team to make it happen. So, what's your favorite? Some of your favorite shit that you see? Uh, just in general, or yeah, in like general, yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, you know, early Spike Lee stuff, man. Yeah. Honestly, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I think More Better Blues influenced me more than Which any other. Which is the film 29th ever. anniversary of More Better Blues today. Absolutely, yeah. man. I mean, I think that to me was 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 groundbreaking because of his use of lighting. Mm-hmm. How he helped illustrate differences in characters using lighting. Yeah. I'd never seen that before. I yeah. never actually paid attention to it. You know what I'm saying? Um, honestly, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like short films. Okay. 
uh, because they're short and sweet. So anything Khalil Joseph has done, okay, you know, anything he did with Flying Lotus, Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff he did for the Brazilian artist Sue George. Um, huge fan of. I'm trying to think of something recently that I've seen that was just dope. And there's so many movies that I've seen. I'm probably having a brain fart right now, but. Anything directed by any of the the, the gentlemen I mentioned, mm-hmm. crazy. You ever seen City of God? Yes, and I can't think of who did that, but I was going to mention the director is Fernando Miralles. Okay, well, interestingly enough, one of my other favorite cinematographers is a brother named Andrew DeSumner. Mm-hmm. He did a uh, Mother of George. Yeah, uh, uh, Kingdom. Yeah, no, not Kingdom. Um, it came around around the same time Mother of George Kingdom came out. Okay, Let yeah, Kingdom. I think was another film with Jamie Foxx actually. Oh, but no, God. Andrew DeSumnu. So uh, here's the thing: a lot of these brothers work together, right? Okay. So Andrew DeSumnu, his movies were 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 uh, were photographed or filmed by Bradford Young, who really? works with Ava du- DuVernay on her stuff. Okay, you so know what I'm saying. That, so so that, um, another brother named uh, Malik Youssef. What is he, what is he doing? I know I know the name. Is he does he did a, stuff? Yeah, he did a lot of stuff with Spike. Okay. He did a lot of stuff. So he collaborates with Andrew DeSumnu, for example. Okay, you know what I mean. So a lot of these brothers, they all came. They all Trained in filmmaking, but they also have a certain aesthetic that speaks to the diaspora. Which you, is what's you, dope. you know, one of the, my 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 Spike movies that visually I really like is really a strong contrast to it, but nobody really talks about it. What's that? If you rewatch Clockers, that's a very beautifully shot movie. You know what? I, I need to revisit that because I, I think I might have seen that twice, and I was more yeah. I was more smitten or taken back by what's the brother's name. Um, <laughs> The actor, Mackay Pfeiffer? No, no, the the uh, the old OG. Man, what was his name? Who? In Clockers? Is it Clockers? No, I'm thinking I'm thinking about uh no, yeah, it was Clockers. You got um gosh, you got uh Harvey Keitel in Clockers. You got uh, Delroy Lindo. Delroy Lindo. He was scary. No, he was great. He's he like great. The, he's like the he's like a version of Clifton Davis. Uh-huh. Absolutely. No, yeah. Clifton Cliff Powell yeah. or Davis. Yeah, Cliff, yeah, he played. I think Clifton Powell. Yeah, Cuddy. Play, play, yeah, Cuddy. Cuddy. Play, play, play Cuddy all from Black movies. Yeah. Scary ass Santa movie. Claus. Yeah. 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 So, so Delroy Lindo, I was scared when he punched old boy in the stomach. Yeah. Yo, like I was, I felt like I was sitting in the car I'm, with him. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this: there was a story that Delroy Lindo was gonna play in a biopic as Marcus Garvey. Wow. I don't know what happened with that. That's crazy. Yeah, it disappeared. But I didn't know. What, I didn't hear what happened with that. You know that's family, right? Really? My mother's maiden name is Garvey. Really? Oh, you know what? I talked to your mom about that. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah that's family. So I, I'm very interested in that. Yeah. So check this out. I check this out. My first album that I recorded was called Garveyism. Yep. And uh, I knew Marcus Garvey had a son named Julius Garvey. He had mad sons. Yeah, right. But I found one of his sons in um, in New York. And I reached out to him and I sent him my album. I sent him a, a letter. I mailed him like all these newspaper articles written about me because I did something called the Black Store Tour where it was basically a Garvey thing where I got sick of doing all these shows at these white venues mm. and I did concerts at black-owned businesses or whatever. Work. And and Marcus Garvey's son called me when I was at work and, and we talked about it and I like cried on the phone. I was such a, I was such a big baby. Yeah, I think but, my head would have exploded, man. I just... But it was crazy because like I, I felt... I was terrified because I was sending him this hip hop album where I'm doing hip hop shit. I'm cussing, I'm saying nigga, you know, mm-hmm. talking about shit. Mm-hmm. And and when he called me, first thing out of his mouth was he said, I love the album. I was like, oh, I started crying. <laughs> and I was like, I thought that I said, I thought that the language would would frustrate you. Cause if I'm yeah. doing an album called Garveyism and Mark Garvey's son, Marcus Garvey's son said, I don't like it, I'll stop selling it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But he said this to me, and it's the most gangster shit. He said, 
No, no, no. You have to speak in the language that the people need to hear it. Absolutely. So yeah. he wasn't turned off by the cussing and all this. He's like, yo, who are you trying to reach? Right. You're right. not preaching to the choir. Right. You got to talk the language yeah. to the people you're trying to communicate And that was the most gangster yeah. shit I've ever heard. That's you know? some real shit. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, uh, I would love when we were talking about uh, biopics, we need, to, we need to have a Gordon Barth biopic, Bruh. but I would love to see a Marcus Garvey biopic. Yeah. And, and, and I think Delroy Lindo. Yeah. Is probably a really good candidate. This is the first time I'm hearing this, so yeah. I'm kind of picturing. I don't know. I, I don't think know. His, I don't know what's happened about it because I've yeah, heard it so many years. See yeah. what that, I mean, I think his presence alone would would be able to carry that weight. I've had a Real few. Talk. I had a few biopic ideas. I tell you this. I think there needs to be a Thelonious Monk biopic. Absolutely. And I would get more harsh Ali to play him. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, can see yeah. that. I can see yeah. that because I, I mean, I, you know, this aesthetically. They're a match. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I'm a fan of uh, Marsala Ali and his his the way he presents himself. Absolutely. I pay he, attention so to shit like that. I like shit. He, like that. Even though like I wasn't a fan of the energy of the Green Book, I still haven't seen it. Like I everything that he does, I'm here for. Because he, he's now doing Blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. And yeah. I'm actually here for it, bro. You know what and, I mean? Even, I, I think it's okay. I think I'm cool with that. Me too. And then people were like fussing and cussing at him. Wow. And Wesley Snipes came out and said, Yo, dog, like it's good. He's Wesley cool. Snipes is yeah. what Going on sixty, no <laughs> yeah. shade because I'm a huge fan yeah, as well. I love you know what I mean? I came up in the Blade era, the, you know, the, the and the cartoon, uh, the comic book. By, by the way, I tell you what they you need know? to do with Wesley Snipes. I feel like Wesley Snipes need to be brought into the Marvel universe with Black Panther. Well, if you follow, well, I'm a, I, I'm, a, I'm literally a comic book head. So, and you are too, I'm sure. So, mm-hmm. if you follow the actual lineage of or the history of the original Blade character in Marvel comic books, mm-hmm. he could probably play his father. Wow, you know what? He could play his father. I don't. I don't see them being that tone deaf to not have him involved at all. Of course I think, not. I don't think he's going for. He's not yeah. going to go for that. I think. I think they'll bring him in there somewhere. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Go. yeah. Yeah, he revitalized the, the franchise of Marvel and Blade alone. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? With, with that, with that film, and it just it took off. So, I'm here for that. Well, um, on top of uh, 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 the photography and the filming, you're also a producer. So. Didn't you just release a project of, of uh, instrumentals that I should be rapping on? Yeah, yeah, man. You know, I, it, it's funny because when I say you asked me before about the music, it, well, what, what would I choose that would be the main one, you know, mm-hmm. photography. But of course, music. I've been doing music for, like since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm formally trained in guitar. Really? Took guitar lessons and kind of self-taught um, drums, keys. Just always had an ear. Mm-hmm. But never had the confidence to kind of like just put some stuff out there in the universe. Plus, we didn't have the means to back in 1989. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm, I mean, I, one of my passion projects is working on an instrumental project and, you know, I'm trying to put, you know, compile tracks and if I see something that you might rock with, I send it to you, you know what I mean? Right, see right. how it feels. And I'm always open to, you know, constructive criticism. But at the end of the day, it's another passion and, you know, it's a passion project and I'm really big on, like, if you're an artist, make something that you enjoy making regardless if somebody's paying you to do it. Just make make something. I think there's something brilliant with that because I think that, you know, in the cities, you know, the city that I live in is starting to realize the idea of the importance of art where I think that what ends up happening is that a lot of artists that are artists and great artists, they they turn that, that light switch off because it's not generating enough income. You right. know what I mean? Right. right but there right. has to be a level to kind of express those things, to exercise those things. Yeah, yeah. You know absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. And, and a city has to embrace it. A city has to be like, all right, well, we, we, um, we value the arts because even if you have a regular job, 
it sucks to be in a situation where a city be like, hey, we had this event and we want uh, live painters, but we're going to pay you an exposure. It's like, nah, nah, dude, nah you feel nah, what I'm nah. saying? Yeah, I'm a big like, proponent of, oh of my God. pay your artists. Absolutely. Please and, pay your artists. And there's something and there's something psychological with that. When you get a, pay, a paycheck to do art, even if it's not a lot of money, it's something validating about it's, that. It, oh, I, that's the know? word I was probably going to use, and I've used that before. Whenever mm-hmm. I had doubts about my crafts, mm-hmm. and, and then somebody said, hey, I want to pay you to do this. And you're like, what? Yeah. And then at some point you embrace it, and then you start to learn your worth and your value as an artist. Absolutely, you know, because the art art is important, obviously, and it helps. Uh, it's, it's world changing. So before we get out of here, tell us about like some uh, some artists that you're listening to, whether they're musical, whether they're visual. Like what, what, like you're a tastemaker. Like so, what you touch on is dope. You have an eye on dope shit. So so if you got if somebody like me trying to figure out what to listen to on my podcast or not my podcast but my iPod or my phone or or movies as a checkout or whatever like what would you suggest we check out that what's what's fucking with you right now Yeah you know honestly right now I think if you're into really dope cinematography and I mentioned these brothers before um that that revolves around the diaspora mm-hmm. and 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 just blackness and brownness and culture I would definitely look up anything made by Andrew DeSumnu Mhm um, Khalil Joseph, mm-hmm. uh, Bradford Young, mm-hmm. Ava DuVernay, mm-hmm. and it, that, that's just a few. I mean, anything. I mean, I'm not going to name specific products because pretty much anything they touch, they have a specific visual language that will resonate with mm-hmm. with our communities. Um, on the music front, you know, I listen to a lot of instrumentals lately. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm definitely feeling the new Zoe, of course. What up, Zoe? Um, it's bringing that R&B smooth stuff back, but I'm listening to a lot of like obscure production from guys like uh, Ian Ewing. Oh yeah, out absolutely. of Minnesota, insane. Yeah. He's somehow been able to mix, you know, electronica with hip hop, with boom bap, with crazy instrumentation. Uh, the homie Freddie Freddie Joachim, mm-hmm. um, out, of, out of I think he's in San and Diego. Insane, yeah, yeah, yeah. Insane um, producer. Definitely on my Afro beats. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, that's definitely a dope vibe. And interestingly enough, how suddenly it's become popular to make music that has that sound. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm of Jamaican descent as well, so we kind of are familiar with that sound, and so we know when it's kind of being commercialized. It's all good. Good music is good music, so I'm not I'm not throwing no shade. Um, have you heard saying. of Damon Locks and the Black Move uh, Black Monument Ensemble? No, not familiar. You'll you'll love Put it. This is the artwork to it. It's fucking incredible. See, I'm fucking with it just because of the artwork. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like, he's yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. a graphic designer by trade, but it's like a it's a a project that he has with all these musicians. Okay, and um, it's a lot of like uh, samples from like um. Civil rights movement stuff, really, really dope music, really, really fly shit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really fucking fresh. That's crazy. And yeah, um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I fucks with that. And speaking of fresh, we got to get out of here because we got a fucking studio session because we're gonna make some fly shit for y'all motherfuckers to listen to. Sound. We're gonna do something. Yeah. Gonna do uh, something. Uh, so tell the people how they gonna how they can stalk you. I mean, keep up with you on uh, <laughs> yeah. social media. And yeah, shit don't like put that. that out there. Nigga. <laughs> yeah, yo, um, yeah, anything. I got crystals. It's so fine. Nah, Who's your nah, friend? Nah, nah, yeah, nah, nah. nah. <laughs> um, nah, well, Chris, Chris. Those some messages I be getting. Yeah, word. word? I don't know. I don't know about that, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, chrischarles.co is the website. chrischarles.co is the Instagram, and pretty much you can find everything else from there. chrischarles.co. Word. And you just updated your website. It looks pretty good, sir. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Trying to keep it fresh, keep it cinematic, you know. Sure, show a little flavor, but keep it classy. Yeah. So if you guys need some uh, some some videograph work and stuff like that, and, and photography, hit my brother up. Also, on top of that, uh, you just did the Zoe video, right? Yeah, yeah. We were doing. You know, it's funny because. 
um, I've been doing all of all the foreign exchanges mm-hmm. uh, work. Any any visual stuff that the foreign exchange puts out, anything that Fonte puts out, Nicolay, mm-hmm. Zoe, I'm pretty much I touch that. So you, know you know did the uh, so the the latest EP that Fonte did. You did that yeah. picture as well. Yeah, I did that. Uh, well, actually, you know, brother out of DC did no. Well, Darrell, what's the brother's name? Anyway, I didn't do the photography. I did the brand, of, like the the the. The package design. I got you. I got you. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like the holistic packaging and branding of it, you know, the feel of it. Okay, I, so you did I, Fonte's I artwork too? Yeah. Did, did you did, um did this stuff? Did you do Foreign Exchange album, the keep leave it all behind, or was that um Tobias? That was Tobias. Okay. Yeah. I took over right after that album. Okay. Yeah, so everything Shout after out to Tobias. The, the yeah, homie. Tobias is the yeah, homie. Yeah, Super yeah, talented yeah. brother. Shout out to Tobias. He's really he doing, he doing great, great things in Durham right now for the community, man, and complex creatives, his company, man. They they're dope. But yeah, everything after after he he touched that, leave it all behind. That was me. Word, no yeah. doubt, no diggity. Um, all right, I guess we're gonna end this shit because we got some work to do. Hopefully, y'all gonna hear this shit by the time my birthday come around, um, which is August twenty third. So speaking of August twenty third, for the people that's in the Columbia, South Carolina area, we have a black exploitation film series that I am spearheading. It's called Super Soul Cinema, where the film's gonna be held at the Nickelodeon Theater in Columbia, South Carolina. And the first film we're going to be showing is a movie called Super Soul Brother. What we're going to do is I'm going to talk about the historical significance of these dope-ass movies. We're going to show these black exploitation movies that admittedly they're not very good, but they're really dope in a sense of black people trying to figure this shit out. And then we're going to play some fucking 70s soul and funk records. So please go to um, my Facebook page or go to Nickelodeon.org if you're in the Columbia, South Carolina area to get tickets to the first Super Soul Cinema screening August 23rd, which will also be my 36th birthday, and we can celebrate that shit together. We're going to get oh, high nigga. and drunk together and go to a strip club and see some titties. Let's go. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> some of that might not be true, but it is my birthday, so come out to that. Um, also, for the guys that's listening, the people that's listening right now, um, speaking of the Nickelodeon, I'm going to be doing some hip-hop workshops coming soon. I'm doing uh, a workshop called The Low End Theory, where we're talking about the history of hip-hop culture, so I'm going to be talking about Hip-hop culture uh, and the civil rights movement. I'm going to be talking about the art of sampling. I'm going to be talking about the art of emceeing from Shakespeare to Tupac Shakur and more. That's going to be coming up soon. So please just keep up with me if you look at all my social media at Priest Jacobs with everything. Also... We are sponsored by Mobetta Soul Clothing. Go to mobettasoul.bigcartel.com or find us on Instagram either under Mobetta Soul or Facebook under Mobetta Soul. Enter code Negro for your next order to save 10%. And that's it. Follow me on Priest Jacobs, Mobetta Soul. If you want to send a nigga some money for his birthday, go to Cash App, dollar sign, Mobetta Soul, M O B E T T A S O U L. Because I'm broke, nigga. Anyways, thank you all so much. We're about to hit the studio up, do some dope shit. I'm probably going to drink some more gin and have some more fun. Thank you guys so very much. Shout out to my brother, Chris Charles, for this. We're going to keep it like this. Negro lead, Negro. Peace.